1: so maybe and maybe the 3d chess too is vogel stringing this out so long to the point where when he has to pull the plug you can't really say it's obvious that he has to pull the plug does that make sense right. like he's drawn it yes, out so long, it's like so bad yeah. i've shown you how bad it is that like <laughs> yeah. nobody can blame me if i just exactly. all of a
0: sudden
1: <laughs> take yeah, andre drummond mean.
0: down
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it's that time of the year, summertime. Suns out, guns out. As in, the Lakers were out of guns and unable to fire today as they dropped Game 1 to the Phoenix Suns, 90-99. to As they say, it's not a series until one team wins on the road, so the Lakers have another shot at that on Tuesday. But as far as Game 1 intensity and focus is concerned, not exactly how you wanted to see the Lakers come out and play in their first playoff game with fans since 2013. Kind of nuts to think about. The Lakers are also the only lesser seed Western Conference team this weekend to not win their first game, to not have a quote-unquote upset, which is also disappointing. Regardless, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. Uh, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. I am joined by my guest co-host. He's been on the show a number of times at this point. My best friend, 30-plus year Lakers season ticket holder, McDonald's mogul, Andy Chang. Andy, how's it going tonight?
2: Uh, you know, I mean, can't say it's going all too well considering we lost, but uh, I guess we'll jump into that soon.
1: Indeed, is there anything positive on the McDonald's McDonald's front you can share with me to help assuage the Lakers' uh, loss and downturn here?
2: Yeah, definitely. Tuesday, look out for the BTS meal. Oh,
1: wait. Is that BTS like the the K-pop boy band? Oh, yes. Wow! Do you is it like a butter related um, dish because <laughs> butter be. is their latest single? I guess. Uh, what is it?
2: It's a BTS meal. So last year, if you recall, we ran these famous trays. So the the first one being Travis Scott, and then we had a um, Jay Balvin tray, and then we had some holiday trays. Basically, it's someone picks their favorite McDonald's meal or items. And you can buy those, um, buy that as a set. So the BTS meal consists of a 10-piece chicken nugget with two Korean-inspired dipping sauces, Ooh. Um, medium fry, and a drink.
1: It's like a go- gochujang sauce.
2: <laughs> it's, um. uh, yeah, some, one of them is spicy, yes.
1: Oh, nice. Well, you know who could use some gochujang sauce? It's the Lakers, because they are the opposite of spicy right now. I think they only shot like 43% tonight. You know, given that it was the first Lakers playoff game with fans since 2013, and I think in 2013, that's when we got swept by the San Antonio Spurs, obviously it was a failure to launch for the Lakers. But for you personally, you and I were at the game against Golden State, the unprecedented historic play-in game. And that was a lot of fun, but you know it was a very uneven game, and we just managed to scrape by. Uh, Obviously, it was a one of a kind experience with the capacity only being seven thousand fans, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you and I would both agree, it's been a while since we've been able to watch something with that type of intensity and importance in a long time. I think that LeBron James shot. You know where we were seated, the the basket was sort of covering our entire view um we we saw him launch it into the air and then the next thing you we knew like it hit the net and it went in right so (laughs) but going back to that golden state warriors game seeing that lebron james shot i think you and i would both have to agree that i don't remember a shot of that importance or seeing a shot of that importance in the last what decade what's the last shot you remember given the context of what we were going for you know trying to make the playoffs do you remember a shot like that in the last decade? It was maybe Kobe not back in, in 2012 or something?
2: Yeah, not in the last decade for sure. That was, a, that was definitely the longest one in terms of distance to the basket. Uh, but yeah, that was like no other, and, and we popped out of our seats, and uh, I almost flew off of the balcony part because <laughs> <laughs> the way we're seated, we're in the first row, so there's no glass protection
0: or <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I, we talked about it during the game, but, you know, given how the Lakers came out lackadaisically and given the context we were in with only, you know, 7,000 fans capacity, the first half of that Golden State Warriors game felt very much like a preseason game. And then once the Lakers turned it on in the second half, and obviously once LeBron hit that ridiculous shot that, you know, lofted into the air about you know, like 70 feet and then dropped in like a miracle from heaven— That's when it felt like playoff intensity. So given that context coming into game one of this game, personally for you, and be honest here, was this game one loss expected in your mind? Were you expecting this? Or because of like the the hype surrounding the Golden State game where, you know, for me, I was like, we should have lost that game. They should count that as a loss. So maybe coming into the Suns game, they'll be more motivated. They'll have had that under their belt. Whereas the Phoenix Suns this last past week, they've just kind of been sitting on their hands waiting for us. Maybe they're rusty. I can't say I'm not, like, I'm not too surprised that the Lakers dropped this one, but I'm a little disappointed because I thought that the Golden State Warriors game and given all the hype and intensity surrounding that would have prepped us well for tonight. But I guess for you, Uh, Was this entirely unexpected or were you sort of maybe expecting a letdown?
2: I'm kind of where you're at. I feel like there's a reason kind of why we lost and and that would be we were at such a high with the Golden State game. Um, There wasn't much higher we can get and it's difficult to sustain, especially when you're going on to almost a new series. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think... We fell into that same trap where we just kind of came out too slow, but this time around we're thinking of it as a seven game series rather than four quarters, and I think that's why we just couldn't kick it into the next gear at any point during this game.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's unfortunate that we weren't able to take advantage of, I guess, the Suns having been out of play for the last week and instead of the sun's looking rusty, we look rusty, even though we had just played recently, which sucks. We weren't able to take advantage of our veteranness. You know, like this is the first go like rodeo for guys like Aiton and Booker, and they ended up going absolutely bonkers on us. So that sucks. Um but you know what? We're gonna get to some silver linings of this game, yada yada. Let's start off with just like a game summary. I actually thought that as opposed to the Golden State Warriors game, I thought we started off the game pretty well. Like Schroeder hit a jump shot, had a nice dump down to Andre Drummond for a dunk. Um, I thought intensity and energy wise, like the Lakers did pretty well. I mean, LeBron James was hitting threes early on. I was like, okay, here we go. And then when KCP lofted that like lob to Anthony Davis, I was like, all right, we're ready to go. This is playoffs time. No more joking around. And then for the rest of the game, LeBron just kept shooting threes and not much else. Uh, AD was like loafing around, settling for jump shots. Kind of the same story we've seen uh, towards the end of this season and kind of the same tale with the Golden State game, except AD's first half lull in the Golden State game carried on the entire game today. Uh, On top of that, there was like no offensive flow. The defense started to bleed a little. Devin Booker started finding creases and finding open rolling guys in the paint, like open shooters in the corner. Bad rotations by Frank. And overall, we were just missing wide open shots. Uh, In the course of this game, CP3 got banged up. That kind of, I think, threw everybody for a loop. It should have been a positive for the Lakers, but I don't really think they took that much advantage of it. Um, He almost got LeBron even more banged up than he currently is. Luckily, LeBron is okay. But I guess for you, uh, what's your general feel and, and, and your personal, I guess, bird's eye view of what went down today with the Lakers?
2: Well, from a fan's perspective... You know, you mentioned it earlier. It was disappointing to see, like you mentioned, there were minutes in the first quarter where we looked good. And I think AD even said it after the game. We kind of got off to that 15 to 10 start. And then he kind of let the foot off the pedal. And and he couldn't really, I guess, get back into that attacking mentality and and just could not never even get it during the game. So he is not going to have the same game you know, next game two, that's for sure. So when you look at the box score, you see a lot of opportunity on our end. Whereas Mm -hmm. when you look at the Phoenix box score, the only person who didn't really perform to his standard is CP three. But, you know, you're not gonna get Aiden going what was it? Like almost a hundred percent from the field. Ten of eleven from the field. (laughs) You're not gonna (laughs) get that again. Booker, yeah, maybe, but honestly, there's no pressure for them as a two seed, which is, you know, unprecedented because we're the favorites and they're just kind of running and gunning out there. So from a fan perspective, you know, there is obviously a sense of urgency that we need to um, have this in the very minutes of the next game. And so if we don't see that, I think that's a little bit worrisome but knowing how ad kind of responded last year when he had that um you know lull i feel confident he'll bounce back and this feels like deja vu all over again dropping game one of the first two <laughs> series last year
1: yeah so i i'll say yeah we haven't been we, i mean this is not the first time we've seen this from the lakers the lakers i think identity wise are the type of team that almost need to be punched in the chin in order to actually wake up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they respond and kind of almost have like a dominant grip on a series. And we saw that all last year. I will say I'm a little bit more concerned this year just because the context is different with regards to this team, I feel like is a little bit more vulnerable than last year's team. Like, for one thing, we're a lot more banged up than last year's team, especially at the top with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So for me, it's like, if you have a chance to take care of business, you take care of business early, you shouldn't be doing this stuff where you're like, yeah, let's feel out game one. It's a seven game series. We got a long road ahead, you know, because you just saw with what happened to Chris Paul today and what almost happened to LeBron James, you don't want a series to extend any more than it has to extend. And even just kind of, you know, coast. Not I wouldn't say they were coasting, but they definitely did not bring the level of intensity uh, that you hoped that they would in this game one. And when you do that, thinking that you have a long series ahead and you have a long series to make adjustments and you've done this before, so no biggie, that's when you can kind of fall into the trap of, you know, the basketball gods may not, uh, you know, look highly upon you and you someone might get injured and all of a sudden you don't have that leeway to make adjustments. And so I think it's, Yeah, on the one end, be be confident that we've done this before. Whenever our backs are against the wall, Frank Vogel, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they always adjust accordingly. On the other end is take into account the differences between this year's team and last year's team where, outside of the health thing, this team doesn't feel like it has any continuity whatsoever. I mean, this is like the (laughs) fifth game that Drummond's played in the starting lineup with these guys, and it feels that way. You know what I mean? On top of it, like Vogel, I felt like last year, had such a stronger command I feel like on his bigs rotation versus this year it's kind of still feels like he's fiddling around and not sure like who to play on a game by game basis um and that kind of worries me as well on top of it there's the added context of like home court advantage matters this year you know last year the Lakers didn't have to worry about travel the road they were all in one place all the time and this year you know you gotta steal one of these games against Phoenix because the travel is eventually gonna catch up to you. You say what you want, Phoenix is not that far away, but just having that added component changes things. And the Lakers presumably wouldn't have home court advantage all throughout their run if there are aren't any upsets. So there's a lot of different things that they should take account of. Um, and hopefully, I saw some crazy stat that like six six out of LeBron James last nine first round series he's lost game one or something (laughs) and i think he's won he's gone on to win the series like five out of six times or whatever so obviously if you're looking at that nothing to worry about yada yada but again i will say the main difference here is i don't remember the last time the lakers or even lebron james were this banged up to their superstars heading right at the beginning of the playoffs. so um with that said yeah let's talk about you mentioned a couple of them let's talk about some silver linings um You mentioned a couple of the outliers, right? So DeAndre Ayton looking more like Anthony Davis than Anthony Davis. It seemed like Freaky (laughs) Friday body swap, 10 for 11, 21 and 16. And then on the other end, AD going five for 16, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The other thing is as hot as LeBron James seemed to start the game off, he only had 18 points and 13 shot attempts. And then seven of those shot attempts were threes. So it, He had like an and one layup in transition, which was nice. And then another like put back layup. But outside of that, he was largely perimeter focused. I don't know if that lends to maybe he he really is not 100% and doesn't want to bang down low. But obviously, he can probably be more aggressive. On top of that, the Lakers missed nine uncontested layups. That's not great, obviously, especially when you're struggling on offense like that. The Lakers were also out rebounded by 14 even yeah, while playing, big. even while playing both ads and Trez, like you should not be out rebounded by 14 if you choose to play Drummond, you know. Uh-huh. And then they missed 11 free throws, which is huge. Kuzma zero points, two shot attempts. Uh, KCP was one for seven from three, and he was missing wide uh-huh. open threes. So, I think in terms of shot quality, the Lakers actually, when it came to their three-point shots, had good looks. They were just missing. And as you know, as I referenced, the nine uncontested layups are obviously good looks. <laughs> they just missed all of them. Um, so for you, what are some other things that you feel like should be easily correctable or any silver linings you see heading into game two that the Lakers can point to and say, hey, look, if we just Even shore this up 50% wise, we should probably not only be in the game, but probably win it because we still only lost by nine points here.
2: I think you mentioned about 20 of them. And so if we (laughs) can just get like a handful, you know, in the right direction that it would help tremendously. But the free throws, we're always gonna struggle with free throws. That's, it's never gonna change, I feel like. But the, the rebounds is huge. You know, when you're mm-hmm. playing against a team that only has one true big, and he's gobbling up offensive rebounds like Andre Drummond should be. Well, actually, yeah. Drummond did have a handful himself, 1-7. Um, you know, that's that's not going to happen again in the rest of the series. He, Andre, I think, can match up well, and should probably have a lot of playing time if he can kind of fit the mold and i think that's kind of what you alluded to earlier with frank's rotations frank really has no choice but to kind of test these things out right now because if we want to win we need our best players on the floor and that includes drummond and ds so we have to integrate them better, and and really, we had no time prior to do that. So this is kind of the time, and I think Vogel, once it gets to a point where he needs to pull the string mm-hmm. on one of these guys, he's going to do it. But um, for now, I still have trust in him that he knows what he's doing. I... <laughs> because we saw it all last year. You know, we he, we did. He can we did. make adjustments. We. You can't forget that. But he just needs to figure out, you know, what actually works and what doesn't. And um, I still think it's the right move playing our best players just to see if we can get, you know, the the best continuity moving into uh, later rounds. Uh, But I'd I'd say address the rebounding first and foremost because that's huge. A lot of the rebounds that we were not getting, were just simply long boards that you know the rest of the guys should be boxing out but they were just kind of too lazy so a lot of low-hanging fruit in this game again I'm not that worried but yes it is different this year since we are banged up and we don't have the same team chemistry Um, but surprisingly I'm actually not freaking out (laughs) <laughs> okay, that that's good, I, um, which is good
1: because I, I'm a little bit more on the other side of the spectrum just because I haven't felt like this team has been, I don't know, in a good spot continuity and cohesion-wise. But to your point about the rebounding, I mean, you give up, they gave up 16 offensive rebounds. Aiton had eight offensive rebounds. And if, I mean, if he's 10 for 11, he probably went up for 90% of those straight into a bucket, you know? So that's unacceptable when you have drummond and ad down there and to your point about vogel making adjustments like drummond only played 19 minutes um and even in the golden state warriors game he even though i still felt like it was late he did pull schroeder and didn't close with drummond so he makes those in 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 game adjustments i just feel like we should have enough data at this point and I'm not even blaming anything on Drummond. He had a spectacular game in only 19 minutes, 12 and 9, 5 of 7 from the field. I just feel like in a vacuum, guys like Drummond and Trez, it's not and Trez had a good game, 12 points, 4 of 5, two steals, right? I I just think in a vacuum they're playing well, they're putting up the stats, but what they ha- the effect that they have, I feel like on the lineup around them in terms of we don't get a lot of spacing. AD ends up relegated on the perimeter, just settling for jump shots, as opposed to when he's at the five, he's more liable to beast down low or like get be on the move, like cutting for lobs and stuff. I just, and I want to pose this question to you now. I just don't understand why we haven't seen Gasol for the last two months, (laughs) especially when if you look at the lineup data of when Gasol has been in the starting lineup, that's when we were beasting it as a team and as a unit. And granted Gasol was in the lineup when everybody was healthy, but even leading up to when we signed Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis and LeBron James were both in and out, Mark Gasol was still in our best, you know, units And I think the biggest thing that, like, tonight we held the Phoenix Suns under 99, right? So we kept our defensive identity. Were there lapses? Sure. Was Caruso burned a couple times and spun around by Devin Booker? Absolutely. But on the whole, if you hold a team in this day and age to under 100, especially a team like the Suns, you're probably going to win, right? So defense is not necessarily, you know, the Lakers' problem here. It is and has always been, can we hold up on the offensive end? And can we hold up on the offensive end if LeBron James and Anthony Davis aren't 100%? And clearly tonight they weren't. And the biggest problem for me was any time LeBron James was out, who the heck was organizing the offense? Uh, Schroeder clearly can't do it. And then Anthony Davis is just, you know, shooting jump shots. To me, I have never felt... The loss of playoff Rondo or Rajan Rondo more than this year because we he just orchestrates the offense, he gets something going when nothing's happening, he penetrates when, when nothing's happening. The difference between Rondo and Schroeder when they penetrate is Rondo is looking for other teammates. Schroeder, you just pray to God that he gets a foul called in his favor, or else that's gonna be a turnover. Or <laughs> A bad shot that you know goes to the other end and it's a transition bucket for the other team, right? Um, and the other big thing about missing Rondo is he had such a symbiotic relationship with Anthony Davis. Where I feel like when Anthony Davis is slumping like how he is, and you need to get him out of that funk, all it took was one Rondo, you know, lob throw to Anthony Davis, and he's engaged and aggressive, right? So That is what I feel like, you know, is is most glaringly apparent to me. I don't know about you, and the one way that I feel like we can mitigate that is, well, Marc Gasol is kind of like Rondo at the center position. Not only if can he provide spacing just by inserting him, but how many times have you seen Frank insert Vogel? I mean, (laughs) Frank insert Gasol, and the first play is like a backdoor cut bounce pass to Caruso for an easy layup, and we're like we've been trying to score for five minutes and all it took was that, you know what I mean? Just to even get some offensive flow going. I feel like just even trying Gasol out and the stats are not going to show what Gasol does, right? But all of those KCP wide open misses, maybe he starts making just because the momentum is starting to go our way offensively. It's so hard when you've been so dry on the offensive end for so long to have a guy like KCP, even though he's wide open to like, you just hope that he knocks that down but it's so much easier to knock those wide open shots down when you see teammates also hitting buckets right and i feel like that's what mark gasol can sort of start to get going and then kind of along those same lines is i feel like mark heave should be playing like this is a guy who led our team in three point <laughs> shooting last year you know he's not in the rotation what are we doing here Again, Trez and Drummond played as played well in their minutes, but it's not about what they put up stats-wise. It's about how they affect the rest of the team. And I have no doubt that the next game, both of those guys who I mentioned will probably play, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that and just, yeah, I guess on the offensive end, what the Lakers need to do and like, you know, playing Gasol or, or even Keith more.
2: Yeah, I... I... I've been hearing your Gasol pleads, you know, the entire oh, season. And I I agree, you know, I definitely think he would provide an offensive spark. Um, but I'm not surprised to see him get zero minutes because we've seen... Just in the last week of... And- Regular season, where people, uh, the bigs most um, specifically, they just don't get any minutes. You know, they're just kind of like on a rotation mm-hmm. of games where where um, you'll sit out entire games. So, I would, I would like to see Gasol play um, again. The only reasonable explanation uh, for him sitting for the past two games is that we're trying to play drum and, and make it work because on paper he has he's the best player you know out of out of all our bigs so we're, we're trying to make the chemistry we're forcing chemistry on itself i, I feel like but <laughs> yeah uh, we already know what we have in this and what we saw was good things you know so it doesn't really make sense to me either why we wouldn't throw him in there but again um, I feel like he will get his time at some point in this series. It's just a matter of when, unless he's for some reason banged up, which yeah. I don't think that's the case. Um, but we've seen that Vogel likes to keep his rotations tight. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if next game Harold sits out the entire mm. game and we try, to, you know, putting Gasol in. So I'm not really going to. Second guest Vogel right now because I'm mm-hmm. still in that I trust him mode. Um, okay. He deserves our trust since he got us a championship in his first year. So let's just keep on going with his plan and hopefully um, he'll make the right decisions.
1: Yes, I, I hope. I, I, the only reason why I have a little bit more doubt than last year is. I feel like the treatment of Drummond as opposed to the bigs that we had last year, who, again, knew their roles, like Dwight and JaVale, I feel like from the get-go, it's almost like we crowned Andre Drummond as, like, this big three guy. And I feel like Frank Vogel has fed into that marketing campaign. And so, again, he only played 19 minutes, right? So it's not like he's not going to pull this guy. But it just feels like, for whatever reason, as opposed to Mark, Drummond has gotten the benefit of the doubt and like you said it, we're almost forcing chemistry but I guess we're getting to that point where yeah well the rubber is going to meet the road right especially if we go down 0-2 so how fast will Frank Vogel hold on to that you know if it comes down to because I think the other thing that Gasol does in this series that I feel like we need and obviously Gasol if you get him stuck in pick and rolls trying to trap Devin Booker he's probably toast but against a guy like Aiton tonight, I feel like that's where you could have used his physicality and also his veteran savviness against a young player like that and got in strips and been more, you know, just bruise him up a little bit. Whereas Andre Drummond, I feel like tonight, he very much looked like a 6'9 player as opposed to, in contrast to Aiton, who looked like he was 7'3 against the dude. You know what I mean? Where against Mark, I don't think that happens. So... Uh, we will see how Vogel adjusts with regards to Gasol and even playing Markeef. where, you know, I know Markeef has struggled the last, you know, month or two shooting wise. But just having that stretch four, stretch five option when your offense is stalled, I feel like is huge. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll take it to break. When we return, I'm just going to ask you what can and should the Lakers do the next game? Maybe there is some Gasol. Maybe there is some Keith. But I guess from your end, we'll see. Um, what you liked and disliked from what you saw tonight, and then we'll just ask you about your confidence meter uh, moving forward. So we'll take it to break, and when we return, we'll close the show out. All right. So we are back. Um, yeah. What did you see tonight about how we, you know, defended the Phoenix Suns? Is there is there anything that you kind of observed that you're like, yeah, maybe we should stop doing that, <laughs> or maybe we should adjust in this way? It can be offensive. It can be defensive. Um, yeah, What are some things that you've kind of earmarked on your end with regards to, yeah, I would like to see us do this differently on the offensive end. I would like to see us, our coverage change on the defensive end, et cetera, et cetera. A large part of this is also, you know, we're not sure how banged up CP3 is. So does that change our game plan of being more aggressive in trapping Chris Paul, et cetera, et cetera, or even trapping Devin Booker? But yeah, what are some observations that you saw?
2: I think generally with Chris Paul teams, you want to try to make him a scorer. Yeah. That way he doesn't you know, feed into his bread and butter with his passing and get uh, everyone else going. So um, I would especially like to see that next game considering he's probably still a little banged up. So if we're trying to make him score 30 points, I think that plays into our game plan. And obviously, you know, that takes the ball out of Booker's hands. Um, it makes our defense a little less hectic. You know, I, I don't think... I know we like to um, double and, and rotate on every single player, no matter yeah. who it is. <laughs> but um, I feel like it would be less uh, strenuous on, on our defense if, if we just tried to make... Um, CP3 dropped 50 points. You know, it, it, it's out of his kind of element, at, especially at this age. Um, so, trying to do that is obviously a lot easier said than done, um, considering he's Chris Paul. Uh, but you know, I I also think that the way we played them tonight, we could have easily won is just the uh, you know just the same had mm-hmm. we cleaned up the boards or made a couple more free throws or made a couple more open shots so there's a lot of like i said opportunity in this game which makes me feel like we have a very good chance next game to win
1: right um what what were your thoughts on how we defended booker he obviously had a great game tonight what do you have like 34 points or something like that 30 uh, yeah, 34 points, 13 of 26 on the field, 8 assists, and um, he had 6 turnovers, so we, we did a good job there. I feel like, and you know, Caruso's a great defender, but tonight, for whatever reason, there were a couple plays where he was guarding him very tightly, like, thir- I, I know we like to do this to bother, like, the ball handler or whatever, But I felt like we were guarding Booker like he was Dame or Steph, like he was going to launch it from 37. And I was like, why are we guarding him so tightly, like that far above the three-point shot? When you know Booker's almost like more like Bradley Beal. They like to get into the mid-range, you know what I mean? They like to either get into the mid-range to take a a pull-up jump shot, a floater, or to pass it to dudes. And that's how he got burned, right? He would like beat the beat guys off the dribble. They put him in a lot of high pick and rolls and stuff. And that one play where he spun Caruso around for the floater was because Caruso was like guarding him 40 feet away from the basket and Booker was just able to get by him, you know? So I feel like, I feel like they can give him a little bit more room, you know? And like you said, we're, we love to do that trapping thing, but I felt like we were kind of soft in doing that where we weren't as committed as we usually are to what we wanted to do. And so, um, I don't know. I feel like we should, like, change our game plan up on Booker a little and understand that he isn't Dame. He isn't Steph. Um, He's probably going to pull up for a mid-range jump shot. And he killed us a lot with his assists to rollers, to guys in the paint, Um, maybe because we were, like, too honed in on him. Um, But I don't know. What is your strategy for Booker? Or is it you just let him take those same shots because – he did hit a number of very tough shots. You just, you know, tip your cap to him.
2: Yeah. I, I don't really know the book on Booker, but I would assume you're right in that you don't have to play him like Steph. <laughs> and I think because we just came off of that Steph game, and part of that mentality just kind of bled over into this game mm-hmm. where we knew who the score was and who we, you know, needed to kind of limit. But, um, I agree. You know, I I think the way that we played him at times was was just a little bit too aggressive. Um, But, you know, it could just be that we saw some things on film and and maybe we wanted to try to exploit those things. But um, from my point of view, I think KCP can just do his thing. Of course, they run a lot of high pick and roll with him. Um, But I don't think we need to go crazy with the traps and the doubles Mm -hmm. um, because, like you said, he's not the super superstar elite scorer uh, that we treated him like uh, today. So a lot of adjustments, I think, need to be made.
1: I also think they could probably use more Wes Matthews or even Kuzma on him just because like length should hopefully bother him a little bit more. Um, So getting him different looks and sending waves of different defenders at him, but I think more so the the length factor, because there are a couple of times where KCP was just kind of too short, you know, and Booker could just rise up over him and drill that jump shot. So it'll be interesting to see how we um, defend him next game. I actually think maybe our game plan... As much as we tried to, like, soft double uh, uh, on him, he still scored 34 points, so that game plan didn't work. Again, it may just be him hitting tough shots, but I feel like we also more so got killed with his playmaking and us not rotating well enough to the guys he was passing to, most especially the guys rolling to the rim, you know? Like, that's where our defense kind of bled. There was no... uh, Outside of some really nice early, like, AD blocks, I felt like our, our paint defense uh, wasn't up to par as it usually is. Um, but yeah, with that said, uh, the, some, some easy adjustments on my end outside of the Gasol and Keith stuff is... And Gasol said, I mean, Gas- Vogel said it. We've got to find a way to get AD, like, easy buckets on the move. You know what I mean? Like, if, if Rondo's not there, how do we... Like, I, I don't know about you, I didn't see a lot of pick and roll between him and LeBron James tonight. KCP did a good job of actually getting him that lob and then he got him another dunk, but outside of those two shots, like, a lot of it was him just facing up again, like, eating up the shot clock and Carmelo anthony it, and I'm like, this guy's, like, 6'10 and, like, a unicorn with length. Like, is there no way we can get him easier buckets, you know? So, I feel like we can get more pick and rolls going with him and LeBron James. Obviously, putting up him at the five helps, I think, and I don't know about you, but I feel like we can take advantage of LeBron James in the post. He wasn't posting up a lot tonight. And in fact, he was just chucking threes almost, you know? I, I don't think he's that injured to the point where he's not going to use t- his advantage in the post against guys like Jay Crowder. And not even to score, right? But just to play make. LeBron James is so lethal in the post. So those are some of the things that I feel like we can do to start getting the offensive like rhythm going. And then again, you know, this has been a theme throughout the season, but I feel like we should engage Kuzma more. We need him in offense. Get him in action. Get him in down screens, flare screens. Set him in a simple screen with the ball in his hand so he can drain a simple one-dribble pull-up, because that's better than Schroeder or Drummond taking it into three defenders and turning the ball over. You know, to me, it's just it's just almost uh, ludicrous that you can have an offensively versatile talent like Kuzma. And he ends a game 0 for 2, like with two, sh- two shot attempts, you know, on a team that is dying to score. So those are the things that I would adjust. What about you on the offensive end? And, and then also my last question to you on top of that is, how did you, how did, what did you think about Anthony Davis and his overall mentality? Because I think that's been the talk of the town about how he was pretty soft this game. So first adjustments that you would do offensively, but also, and then to end, Anthony Davis.
2: Yeah, there's so much we can do. I think that's that's the great part of our team. We have so many different weapons that we can go to. And, and we obviously talked about Mark. Um, you mentioned Kuzma. Obviously, that's that's not going to happen again. Um, THT, I think we... I would like to see him play more than seven minutes mm-hmm. uh, because he's definitely, um, you know, catalyst for the offense at times. So if, if we're struggling, we can easily just give it to him and he can usually make things work. It puts pressure um, on the
1: defense at the very least.
2: at the very least. yeah. and then to to answer the the last question about AD I feel like he had you said it earlier, he had that same kind of slow out of the gate um I feel as though now that he has a championship under his belt, he kind of has this different perspective where he can kind of approach a playoff game like a veteran kind of thing like Uh i'll come out slow and kind of you know assess all the all the game plans and take it slow but he's taking it way too slow and the problem with that is um you know we have so many issues on the offensive end to begin with that coming out slow is just going to make things far more worse than it already is so um, there's a difference between LeBron's kind of veteran savvy playoff mentality versus AD in that LeBron's been in, you know, 10 finals. Yeah. So he, he's not on that same level. You can't really put yourself, you know, in those same shoes. So with AD, I think he needs that sense of urgency a little more. And I, I like mm-hmm. the fact that post game, he was kind of taking the blame for a lot of it right. uh, that tells me, Game two, you know, his mentality is going to change. And if it doesn't, then we're going to be in trouble.
1: Yeah. And I think on top of that, to your point, it's like not only does he need to, he needs a sense of urgency because LeBron James needs him more than ever. I I feel like we're going to run this dude into the ground given how anytime he leaves the court, there's nobody to pick up the slack. And it should ideally be Anthony Davis, right? And I think the other thing that Anthony Davis does for us when he's aggressive is he just changes the entire tone of the game, right? People feed off of him, you know, dunking the ball, not necessarily taking fadeaway jump shots. And, you know, I think maybe last year's bubble got to him a little bit in terms of he shot an exorbitant amount of mid-range jump shots and he nailed all of them, right? To an outlier degree, and he feels like he can just do that again, but... Honestly, in his last 10, 11 games, he's shot 50% or better only twice. Anthony Davis is too talented to have that happen. Maybe he's a little bit banged up, but just given his size and the and the mismatches he's presented, especially with, you know, sometimes, you know, Crowder or Mikhail Bridges being on him. I mean, come on, just <laughs> You you got to find a way to force your aggression and dominance on this team the way that he did against them when we w- randomly beat them at Staples Center, you know, like, you know, three weeks ago when he had 42 points and 12 rebounds, three steals, three blocks like we need that sort of Anthony Davis to his credit, kind of like how you're saying with Vogel anytime we've seen them get knocked down or have their you know dominance question he typically always has responded with like an fu i'm back sort of game so i'm very much looking forward to that you know it's just with anthony davis he's been bad the last you know month outside of that you know a couple games so it's like you would have thought that by now he would have been revved up to go um but hey, we're following the same script, hopefully, as last year, um, except with with fans and no home court advantage. So hopefully, that'll s- start to seep in with this group. That it's not as it's not the same as last year. We need to have the sense of urgency. It's crazy that I'm saying this for like a playoff game the first one with fans in 13 years, but I mean, these are the Lakers, whether or not it's Shaq, Kobe, LeBron, AD. It seems like this always follows us wherever we go after the first championship. It's just going to be lackadaisical till it isn't. And we find ourselves with our back against the wall. Hopefully this year, because of the injuries, we don't wait till that point to, you know, quote unquote, flip the switch. Um, with that said, why don't you close this out? I think we know we've gotten a sense of how you feel, but, I guess, what's your confidence meter, you know, moving forward? And do you still like this matchup, even if, let's say, Chris Paul isn't as banged up as we think?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I still think it's going to be Lakers in six. Ooh. I can't see it going to seven. That just seems too... If it goes to seven, then I, I don't really know. In if Arizona? The championship. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm still confident we can take it in six. And I'm confident that that we can clean up a lot of this low hanging fruit and and all the opportunities that we left on the floor in today's game. So um, hopefully it's not misplaced confidence and we really do take care of business. But, um, you know, like like we were talking about earlier. We need to see that sense of urgency or else it's going to (laughs) be a struggle, not only this series, but the rest of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that goes again for the guy making the decisions up top with Frank Vogel. You have professed your confidence in him, which is great. I have been frustrated as heck all season with the politics and the random rotations, but now is the time to show like what matters and what's important we have not been in a time like this all all season so every situation we've seen where it matters you know LeBron Vogel AD etc have delivered now's the time we'll see um whether this is just going to be a case of the Lakers have been banged up all season and they just haven't had time to come together and find that same you know chemistry that they had last season or whether or none of that matters, you know? And we at the end of the day, we have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We'll see. Um, but with that said, this has been the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Game two is on Tuesday. Looking forward to the the brow bounce back, as I've called it in the past. And uh, a little less um, AD2 and Trez and a little bit more Gasol and Keith. Let's go. Let's see what happens and let's get Kuzma some points as well. So uh, with that said, Andy, thank you for joining me. And uh, hopefully we can talk again Uh, after a win or even in a new series we'll see uh thanks for joining me and uh, we will catch you next time thank you uh please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod and please rate interview us five stars on the apple podcast app we are in the 2021 playoffs with fans what a crazy time all right thanks guys we will catch you guys next time